Hello and welcome to Tap the Craft, an educational podcast hosted by two craft beer enthusiasts, where we talk about craft beer in terms the everyday beer drinker can understand. My name is Denny Luce, and I'm joined today by my co-host and my drinking buddy, John Ream. And John, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. We had a pretty nice weekend here, uh, quite a bit of beer, football, mm-hmm. some brewing. Uh, but now both my boys are running a fever, and I think oh. there's about to be a big sickness uh, hit my house. So I've survived the last few waves, <laughs> and I'm, I'm trying not to get to get taken down this time so hopefully okay. uh this beer is going to help me with that you know i was just going to say that you better start drinking and drink heavy because beer is the wonder drug so you'll you'll stay healthy and sick free if you just keep pounding those beers <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned you you're, you brewed a beer today uh which what what, what kind of beer did you brew so i brewed a hoppy brown ale today oh I, that's why I, I like hoppy browns yeah, so and and you've actually had this beer, um, and and you had the last version that I did of this. It's been like three years since I brewed this one. Oh my gosh, it's been way too long, and uh, so I, it's what I'm christening the new conical with. Okay, so all right, good. So nothing's changed in your recipe since the last time you you brewed it, or did you try something a little different? And and is it a single batch or a double batch? It's a ten gallon batch. Okay, and it's the same as last time. Okay, so. Haven't uh, haven't altered anything. I, I liked where it was at. Okay. Uh, before. So this will be your first. Is this the first 10, 10 gallon batch you've done in your new brew system, or is have you done other ten? Actually, you you can only do seven at a time, right? If you at the max. Uh, no, I could do up to twelve up gallons to, oh, okay. at a time. Okay. Um, but this is this is not the first uh, ten gallon batch I've done, but it is the first ten gallon batch that's all in one place after. Okay. Brew day. Yeah. <laughs> I've always had to split it up between multiple fermenters. So. Yeah. So it'll be much easier. It's just, you oh, just yeah. got to pump it into the, the fermenter and just let it sit. Temperature right. controlled. And all right. Excellent. All right. Well, hey, let's, before we get too carried away with all of our beer banter and talk, let's let listeners know what they're listening to. And they are listening to episode 39. And we're recording this on Sunday, January 17th. 2016. And what you can expect in this episode, well, it's going to be a short show. Yes, I said it. We're going to try to keep this short uh, just because, you know, we have been running long. We want to give you guys a little break in your ears ears from hearing John and I just ramble on about beer. But we do have a couple things we're going to talk about. We have a listener question from our buddy Robert. We also have a couple articles that I thought were interesting and kind of tie into last episodes talk on our predictions of 2016 and we also have our listener participation tasting notes segment on the omission ipa that gluten reduced beer uh, and i hope that uh, everyone was able to pick up one to try along with us but before we get into all that beer talk uh you know john needs to get his uh, immune system pumped up so drink some beer john what are you drinking tonight I'm drinking the Green Flash uh, Jib Session IPA, and uh, I'm actually liking this one. Mm-hmm. Um, the The body is not too thin. It actually has a a nice full body for for an IPA, um, like a medium body, not mm-hmm. a, a full body. Yeah. I realized that could have <laughs> come across wrong. Um, but it's got a really nice aroma. It's full of uh, Simcoe, Cascade, and Amarillo. So, oh wow! Uh, sign me up anytime you throw those hops in on IPA. <laughs> cool. Um, it doesn't come across as well in the flavor, at least 
yet. Um, it's still warming up a little bit. Um, but yeah, overall, I'm enjoying it. Um, you know, I've commented before that I don't know why I keep buying session IPs because mm-hmm. more often than not, I tend to be disappointed. But uh, this isn't one of those. So okay. I'm actually enjoying this one. So oh. how about you, Danny? What are you What are you drinking tonight? I'm also drinking an IPA, but mine's a full IPA, not not sessionable. But it's okay. Um, it's from Bridgeport Brewing out of Portland, Oregon. It's their Stumptown Candy Peel IPA. Just a new release. I think it's only been out for maybe a month or less. Uh, it just got into our area, and I had to pick up a six-pack. I, I pretty much love everything that comes out of Bridgeport. I've been a big fan of theirs for many, many years. Uh, their Bridgeport IPA back in my IPA days was like a go-to IPA for me. Now now I drink it, and because you know the, the IPA has changed so much over the years, it's still a solid IPA, but now I've, I've had better. Um, so, but hey... This is a, a little bit different thing. It's it's got uh, it's got a real it's 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 a strange IPA. It's got a little bit of sweetness when you first uh, put it in your mouth, um, followed right away by an orange citrus flavor that blends right into a citrus bitter finish. And I'll tell you what, I am really enjoying it. And it, it's a dry finish too, so that sweetness is only in the initial tasting that I really feel that sweetness in there and it gets, it goes away really quick and it blends really nicely with that orange flavor and, and aroma. There's a lot of uh, like, a, like orange peel aroma in this beer too. So, uh, John, um, check it out if you have a chance. I don't know. Have you had this one yet? I, I don't think I've seen this one here yet. Um, but if it's new, I'd, it may just take a little bit to find its way on the shelf. So yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll keep an eye out for it. Yeah. Keep an eye out. And, um, to give people a reference, if you did try the the like the beer that had all those uh, the I don't, I don't remember what it was. It was like Citra Gen- Genesis or whatever that one from Lagunitas that had all that pulp and stuff in it. It had like a I don't know if it I don't think it had blood oranges. It had some kind of other flavor in there. Do you remember that one, John? Cit- yeah, yeah, it was like Citra Kinesis or something like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it was flavored with oranges or had oranges or something yeah this one is not like that so if you had that beer and you didn't like it because it was a little bit too much orange it's not like this one has just the in the you know just a hint of that orange in the in the flavor but not overwhelming and uh very very easy to drink uh but it but you definitely know you're drinking an ipa too it's 6.5 percent so it's you know i think most of the the beers that Bridgeport puts out is about 6.5. I think that's like their their average uh, alcohol content. So, um, yeah, you can you can have a couple before you know feeling that buzz hit on. All right, John. So, um, you know we we uh, we accidentally released the show early last last episode. That was my fault. I we recorded on the Sunday and I was working on the podcast on Monday and I at Monday night. Uh, I, I had a call that I had to go travel for business and I needed to get that show done. So in my rush to get the show done and posted so that it would post on Thursday, I accidentally forgot to set the date to delay it until Thursday for release. So everyone got the show Monday night. Hopefully didn't throw everyone off, but that maybe, well, it doesn't really give us any extra time to drink beer because we always do that. But John, did you have any noteworthy beers that you would like to tell our customers, or our customers, our listeners about? <laughs> uh, yeah. So actually, it's two from uh, this weekend. Um, oh. So I didn't 
I didn't take advantage of the whole time anyway. Uh, but uh, the first is one that we've talked about on the show before, and that's a, the uh, Almanac Farmer's Reserve uh, Pluot, mm-hmm. uh, which is a sour uh, aged in wine barrels and uh, with, with Pluots, which are this, uh, plum, apricot, like mixed breed mm-hmm. fruit. Uh, and I, I really enjoyed that beer. Uh, the, the Pluot really like took the edge off the tartness and, and really made it easy to drink. I, I went through it way faster than I would have preferred. <laughs> yeah. I like to have enjoyed it a bit longer. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, in, as far as sours, you know, it, it, it was more sour than something I would want to introduce somebody to sours with probably. But I think, uh, I think it would be a, an easy next step um with the the fruit edition mm-hmm. because it you know it's not too it makes it not aggressive yeah, yeah. so um but yeah that that was the first one and the, the other one I'll talk about uh I actually had at my homebrew club meeting oh um somebody brought a growler of this it's from a, a local brewery out here postdoc uh and it's the demon star stout it's their uh imperial stout um, and it, it was, it was really nice, uh, nice big, uh, roast and like chocolate flavors. And, um, it, it was a really pleasant beer and, uh, I had to be careful um, with that, uh, and all the other beer that was there just so I could make sure I could get home <laughs> safely. Um, but I, I wish I would, could have, uh, had some more. So I might have to see if I can find some of that, uh, somewhere, maybe head up to the brewery yeah, and fill yeah. up my own growler. So is that one close by to you that that brewery? Uh no, it's it's up in the uh like Woodenville, Redmond area. Okay. Um so plenty of other breweries to go hit up there if I make the trip. Yeah, so you get Black Raven. Yeah, you get Black Raven, right? Aren't they up there too? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh I know that you've had some beers because uh <laughs> for my, you know, my um craft beer resolution to catch you and untapped i fell i fell farther behind <laughs> over the last two weeks uh, i fell five beers farther behind you um uh, wow so what are what are these beers that you've been uh running away from me with okay well i just to put in perspective i have cut back believe, <laughs> believe it or not i i'm not drink i'm i'm sticking to drinking like one beer a night instead of two i i typically will have two to three beers a night and now I've I've cut back to one for the most part. But as I mentioned just a few minutes ago, I did, of course, get uh, get sent away again to Utah for the for the week uh, uh, two weeks ago. And normally I would drink five beers a night every night I'm there because I'm always trying new things. I did hold it down to two beers a night, and uh, some of those beers I'd already had. Well, actually, I think I'll. Well, you no, know, the, the third night, um, I'd already had the beer, so I didn't log them. But, uh, but I did have a couple, but, uh, I, I, it's two versus five. That's a big, that's a big re- reduction, you know, and I, I actually ate more food than drank this time. So that was good. Um, <laughs> but one of the beers I did have was a Utah beer and it was at a, uh, two of the nights that I was there. Uh, so I don't stay in Salt Lake City. I stay, South of Salt Lake City, about you know thirty miles south. That's where I where we work. But I will drive into Salt Lake City to go to the breweries and and see some some good beer places. And we went to a place I hadn't been to before called the Bayou, and the Bayou is a Cajun style um, restaurant uh, beer bar, and they have they must have 
over a hundred, probably two hundred bottles of beer you can choose from, and plus a, a large tap selection. And one of the beers that I had that I hadn't had before is from Red Rock Brewing out of Utah, and it's called the Sakali. And this is a Doppelbach. And it's a Doppelbach that was aged in some barrels. And I don't remember the actual barrels they were aged in. But um, this was a fantastic beer. I think it was, uh, you know, fairly high in the octane range. It was a, it was a strong Doppelbach. Uh, but man, it was so smooth and you really couldn't tell that it had the alcohol content that it did. I really enjoyed that one because I'm a huge Doppelbach fan. So that was one of the special ones I had during my trip. Then I got back that weekend. Uh, one of the guys that I, I don't travel with very often, but when we do, we always have a good time and he was there in Salt Lake. So I took him to, to, uh, to Epic Brewing and we, we drank. Uh, one of the nights, but when he came back, I told him, hey, I've been wanting to visit one of the local Boise uh, breweries that's opened just late last year, but I haven't had a chance to go. Hey, you want to go? And he said, yeah, but first, I want." he wanted to visit the uh, the Powderhouse Brewing, which I talked about a few shows ago. So we first started off Saturday morning at Powderhouse, and he drank, sampled a bunch of beers, and I had a couple beers. Uh, and, and again, I had one of their new ones that was really good, and I had their, their porter, which is fantastic. I love their porter. Uh, I, I really enjoy that brewery. He liked it too. And then we made our way to Barbarian Brewing. This is the brewery that I hadn't traveled or haven't uh, visited yet. And the, the main focus of this brewery is going to be on barrel aged beers. But they do release a bunch of stuff that's not barrel aged. And so right now, while they're getting their barrel aged stuff all situated, and because barrel aging takes time, they want to, you know, they do, they are releasing beers that aren't barrel aged. They just they'll throw some oak chips in them and they'll do some stuff. So they had eleven beers on tap. I tried them all, all eleven, and uh, some were good, some were not so good. I will say that I was a little disappointed in the the Belgian offerings. Uh, their saison and their triple, they. They obviously both use the same yeast or or something. They use some, the same something because it it really had a medicinal flavor to it and uh, and a little bit sweet, like a syrupy kind of thing. I did not like those at all. I and mean, I'm a huge saison and triple fan, so that was a little disappointing that those were a failure. But they did have three beers that were really good. Starting off with uh, a, a leftover from the fall, they had some of their harvest ale, and it was a squash ale. And I'll tell you what, probably one of the best harvest ales I ha I've had. It was uh, just spiced, like very lightly spiced, but just enough to give that, you know, give a, a little extra oomph to that that ale, and it was really good. And I'm looking forward to next year's release, and I hope it's just as good as this one. The other one I really, really enjoyed was their Big Bad Wolf Double IPA. Wow, they 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 hit this one out of the ballpark. That's going to be a seller. Uh, that's going to keep the brewery, that's going to be their flagship beer, I think. It's going to keep the brewery going. It's really, really good, double IPA. And then they also had a winter warmer that was an, uh, a, it was a, a different type of winter warmer. I think it was a scotch ale. And I think it had, I think it was a smoked scotch ale. I don't know. It was an old, it was an old English ale, a smoked old English ale. And, uh, it was, it was really good. I really enjoyed that one too. So, those are the three highlights of that of that brewery trip that I I made. I want this brewery to survive. I think they're going through. I think they're learning 
uh, going through some learning curves. I think they need to to definitely work on their their Belgian offerings for sure, because uh, part of their you know this is the brewery that I I don't know if I mentioned on the show they were doing a membership for one hundred and fifty dollars. You could sign up for a year to be a member and you get special beers released. Well, the special beers that really interest me when I saw what they were were their saisons, their Belgian triples, or dark strong ales. Uh, and if if those aren't strong beers as a base, I'm afraid that the barrel age versions are going to not you know carry on either. So I'm I'm kind of glad I didn't jump in and pay that uh, membership fee without first you know trying the beers to see if I like them. But next year, I've already decided that I'm going to make sure I visit. Uh, retry the beers, see if they've worked out some of the issues that they have early on, and then if if I'm uh, pleased with what I taste, I think I might just go ahead and join their membership for the following year. Yeah, it's, that'd be a nice experience, and uh, yeah, it's kind of nice that you're able to try these and and recognize that you know you need a good beer going into the barrel to get a good beer out of the barrel. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't doesn't magically fix everything. Yeah, yeah. They, <laughs> Unfortunately, some people. Uh, think is the is the case. Yeah, yeah, and and one th- one just one more. I ha- I hate dragging on, but there's one more thing to note is, um, they had a version called the Funky Big Bad Wolf, and it was basically their double IPA, the the Big Bad Wolf with Brett added. They held it six weeks longer before they released it. They just released it that day, the day that we came in, they released it. Um, so we had one of the first uh, polls off of it after they finally released it six weeks later than they planned. I'll tell you what, it could go another six weeks. The Brett was way, way too strong. It, I mean, it needed to tone down a lot. It was overwhelming. Uh, all I could taste was, was Brett, like strong Brett funk in my mouth. So, you know, sometimes Brett can be good. Sometimes Brett can be very, I think they needed to, what they needed to do is they need to blend it, right? I don't know if they blended it. They may have, I'm hoping that they're that they're blending their their Brett version with the regular one to kind of you know ease out some of that harsh Brett uh, yeast. What do you think, John? You think if it's very strong in Brett that they didn't blend it at all? Possible, but you know, and unless they pasteurize it, if they blend it, the Brett's just going to keep on going. That's um, true. That's true. So it, it all depends on how it's been handled. So okay, all right. Well, John. Um, you didn't put this on your list, but I saw that you also tried the Grainiac late last night, that stone ah, yes. brewing one, and you didn't put it on your list. Could you just give me just you know a, a very quick synopsis of if you liked it and uh, in, and what possessed you to drink that beer so late at night too? Uh, that wasn't even my last beer of the night. <laughs> <laughs> I had a barley wine after that. Oh my god. Um, but uh no i i enjoyed that beer and um you know it, it was aggressive um similar to stone's nature but i i didn't have any weirdness from the grain and mm-hmm. i did notice that it actually used a couple of grains we talked about on the last episode oh um it had a uh, buckwheat and uh millet in it i believe okay i don't have the bottle next to me now but um yeah so that was part of the uh five or six different uh, grains that were used. The, yeah. Um, the colon blow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I enjoyed it. I, uh, yeah, it, it was, uh, kind of similar to an arrogant bastard. Yeah. Um, in a way, uh, 
it was almost like they were taking steps to to get that thing towards a, a gluten free or gluten reduced type of beer. Um, <laughs> but I mean, they still had a bunch of other stuff in it that would not make it the case. But um, yeah, no, I I enjoyed it. Uh, so and. and I don't know. I'd, I'd been drinking and it seemed like a good idea at the time. That's why I, I drank it then. <laughs> All right. No problem. No problem. No problem. Okay. I just, I had to give you a bad time because I, when I saw you drink it after we got done uh, recording last night, I was like, wow, that's, uh, he's going strong into the, into the evening. Uh, I was in bed, I think, shortly after I got done because I'm just, I've been tired. So, but hey. Oh, no. I, could... I started at mid, mid recording. Oh, okay. So, okay. Yeah. Well, good for you. Good for you. All right, then. Well, hey, those are no, new and noteworthy beers. If you ha- can find those in your area, give them a try. Those are ones that, that we recommend. Um, now we're going to get into our listener question. And as I mentioned earlier, Robert, our buddy TPS Sponge, he uh, has a couple questions. And the first one is dealing with hops. He says, how does one tell the difference between the hops without being a hophead? Like, what's the easy – is there an easy method – for a, a an average person to um, to be able to draw out hops in a beer, or in, you know, and uh, and know what the flavors and and stuff without just memorizing the whole hop chart. John, any idea? If, if you have any helpful hint on some average person like me and Robert, how we can keep all these hops straight? Uh, memorize the hop chart. Okay, um, I, I was no, afraid I, that was the answer. Um, <laughs> No, I mean, you could try to find single hop beers or things with only a couple hops in them um, and, and just really pay attention to it. Uh, you know, uh, focus on what you're smelling and tasting uh, with the hops. Um, but I mean, it's it's really about repetition, um, understanding what it may be a little beforehand research into knowing what, what a certain hop brings to the table so that when you've got a blend like Simcoe Cascade Amarillo in this beer, then you'd, you'd know, mm-hmm. you know, oh, the Amarillo is probably bringing that tropical pineapple type thing. And, yeah, uh, you know, you can, you can start to break it down. Um, but, uh, no, there's not really a way without devoting yourself to, to working on it. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, um, one way that, that might help Robert is that if you were to, to, to be proactive and keep a beer journal, uh, kind of like just kind of highlight, you know, write down the beer, uh, write down some highlights of the flavors, the aromas that you, you, things you smell, things you taste, and then write down, you know, do some research yourself, try to figure out what hops that are being used and what malts are being used too, because that can also, you know, because you want to make sure you can, you can differentiate between the two flavors. And, and then the more that you do that, you know, by you writing them down and researching them, you're going to start to remember these things more quickly. If you, you know, by actually writing them down and, and going over and then you'll, maybe that might help be able to just be familiar with what you're tasting. You'll be able to say, oh, that's a Centennial hop because it's got this characteristic. Oh, you know, I, I, oh, I like this one. I can taste some of the, you know, the herbal notes and, and you can maybe pull out what hop that is. And, but yeah, there. I don't think there's an easy way. I think I think just being familiar and in time, and if you're really focused, if you really, if it's really in your heart and you're to to learn what these hops are, then you'll put some some effort in and you'll be able to. But there's nothing comes easy, right? It all it all takes work, and and to be yeah. good at it, you have to work at it. 
Yeah, the good news is your homework here is drinking beer. So, that's right. You know, that's the upside. Yeah. All right. Well, Robert had one more question. He said he wa- you know, he he loves our show, but man, waiting 2 weeks between episodes is killing him. He needs some more beer, craft beer talk. And he asked if we had any podcast to recommend that he might try uh to kind of bridge him between our shows. And uh, John, I, as far as I know, you do you have any? I, last time I asked you, you don't listen to any beer podcast. Do, do you have anything? Uh, no, yeah, my um, beer related podcasts are homebrew. Okay, um, related. I I did used to listen to the uh, New Brew Thursday, and now I think a couple of those guys are part of the Four Brewers. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm still. I still have not caught up to real time on my podcast list. I'm getting close. I'm only like a week behind now, um, but I'm trying not to add anything while I'm still behind because then I'll just get more behind. Yeah. So. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, and, and I, I answered him on Twitter. I have two that I listen to. Um, I listen to four brewers um, and, and let you guys know that both of the two podcasts I'm going to listen are completely different from what we offer. You know, the John and I, we provide more of an educational podcast that's going to teach you and, and help you in your craft beer journey. These other podcasts aren't necessarily that way. And the four brewers definitely, they, they can teach you, but they, you're going to, if you listen to four brewers podcasts, you got two things that you're going to, you're going to see right away. Um, it's kind of a comedy, you know, they're joking around. It's, it's all about having fun and making people laugh. And they're way advanced on their beer terms and stuff. They assume anyone listening to their show is already a beer geek and they know what they're, you know, what, what, what terms are using and they know, you know, they don't, they don't dumb it down, right? It's all for the more of the, the beer snobby or not, I don't want to say snobby, but the beer enthusiast that, that has been involved and knows all the terms and, and is not new to craft beer. Uh, also, a lot of the stuff that the four brewers talk about, they do a lot of local stuff, a lot of local insides, things in the, in the Southern California area. So if you're not from that area, you might feel left out. And they can cross the line in some, uh, you know, some more uh, adult content too. So if you don't like that, that might be something that turns you away. But I do listen to them every week. It's about an hour show. And I do enjoy it. I do learn things from, from listening to them. Uh, and... They don't irritate me as bad. You know, most shows, I, they don't irritate me, but there's some that they do. The other show that I listen to is called The Brew, Rev- the Brew Review Crew. And thank goodness that is not our name, John, because I would be tongue-tied on that every single time I said it. But, yeah, it's a good thing we're not deeper into the show while you're yeah, trying to do that. Yeah, I mean, I've already had a couple – I've already surpassed my two-beer limit a day. But, uh, but hey, we're recording and I, you know, I have to drink while we record, so it's okay. But the, these guys, they started off as a YouTube review, beer review show on YouTube. And they started about a year ago now. They, I think it was a year ago, maybe six months to eight months ago. They started doing a podcast called the brew, the brew crew, the, I don't even know what it's called now. The, the brew crew review on tap podcast. And it's mostly news. Um, oriented. They do a lot of uh, news articles and stuff uh, out in the, in the industry. Uh, again, they're they're out of Ohio, so a lot of their stuff is going to be uh, in the Ohio area and, and focused in the East Coast. 
Um, they do have a you know a couple. They have a, a tasting show where guess that guess that brew or or guess that yeah. They, just like a, you know, one of the hosts will uh, will have to try to guess a beer in three guesses uh, without knowing what it is, and they do a couple other things. It's kind of fun show, but the problem is they aren't consistent. In fact, I think in the last three months they've released one show and or two shows in three months. So. Um, they were consistent for a while. Now it's very hit or miss. So if you want something to be there every week, eh, don't count on them. They're they're kind of sketchy. But uh, but those are the two shows I listen to. They they again both are completely different than what we offer, and they each have their pros and cons. And uh, yeah, so give them a, give them a listen, Robert, if you're if you haven't done so yet. And I I gave you a link to their Twitter when I uh, was on the when I responded back. So hopefully you you found them okay. All right, well, now it's time for our listener participation tasting notes segment on the Omission IPA. And uh, if you if you went ahead and did your homework and you prepared, go out now, stop the podcast, go out, get your bottle, get your glass, pop it open, pour it, and get ready for John's and mine live tasting because neither of us have written any notes on this yet. So we're going to be doing this live as we are uh, talking to you. So the uh, the name of the beer is just IPA, and it's from Omission. And Omission is part of Whitmer Brothers Brewing out of Portland, Oregon. And uh, it's, an, it's an IPA style, but it's a gluten-reduced, meaning, like we mentioned in the last episode, that uh, it does use gluten products, but Omission has a proprietary method of removing the gluten from the the real uh, malted barley and uh, and reducing it to the acceptable levels by the government to you know maintain the label as a gluten reduced beer yeah and it does have that crafted to remove gluten notice on it that we mentioned last time yeah and that i i will mention that um that is fairly new and i'm going to say within the last year or so maybe they didn't uh, have that crafted to remove gluten because when uh, my wife was first doing this, it, we had to go to the website to figure out if it was reduced or or not. So now they have it right there, broad, right? You can't miss it on the label. So I'm glad they did that. Uh, we have some alcohol. The alcohol by volume is 6.7. So, hey, you're, they're not chinsing out on this beer. You're going to get some serious alcohol content in this beer, which is good. It's an IPA. It should have a good little kick. And talking about the kick, the IBUs, the International Bittering Units, it's 65. So they're not shorting you on bitterness either. This is going to be a bit of a bitter beer, which is good. You want our, you know, our IPAs to be bitter. And I've only seen this beer in 12-ounce bottles. So that's probably what you're going to find it at your supermarket. You can you can find it in six-packs. Or if you go to your bottle shop, you can find it in singles or six-packs. And I just want to note that uh, I it didn't dawn on me until I went to pick up this beer myself for this tasting that uh, in the grocery store, you're probably going to be okay. The bottle dates are going to be within the the recommended time limit. But if you go to a bottle shop and try to buy a single bottle or so, you may find that the dates that it was bottled might be old. And uh, just to give you a hint, I have I bought two bottles. One bottle was uh, a year old, and the bottle that I'm drinking today was actually bottled on 
uh, August of 2015. So um, it's not as old as a year, but it's still, I mean, it's still four, almost five months old. Uh, and that's old for an IPA. So uh, just keep that in mind. Try to make sure you look at the dates on the bottles and make sure you get the freshest ones you can because you don't want to, you know, deteriorate the flavor. All right, John, you ready to open your bottle and get this uh, tasting going? Okay, I'm going to open mine too. Hopefully it won't blow up on my keyboard. Oh, man, no no puff. I did get a, a little bit of a bottle cap smack on my bottle, but uh, I'm I got a little bit of a hiss. That's it. Yeah, I could hear yours. Yours actually sounded good. Mine sounded like crap. All right, so we poured our beers. You know, as we always like to do, we like to describe the coloring. And, uh, wow, it's a, uh, a bit of a hazy, very, uh, I don't want to say gold. I'm going to say pale, pale, uh, like a pale yellow, hazy coloring. How about you, John? What do you see in your glass? Uh, yeah, like a pale straw type color. Um, yeah, definitely some haze to it. Um, but I can see that there's writing behind it on my monitor. So it's not not too bad. Okay, well, so you know what? Last the last tasting when we did this, you couldn't see anything through yours, and I could. I can't see anything through mine. So uh, this might be the oldness. <laughs> the oldness of my bottle might be uh, affected here. So the the lace, you know, the head. Um, I had about a half a finger head, and it's uh, it's kind of white. It's got fine bubbles, a few big bubbles mixed in there, and I got a few. Um, scattering bubbles coming up from the bottom. What what do you see as far as your head and, and bubbles? I've got a three-finger head, mostly what? fine bubbles. Wow. Um, with a few large ones up at the top. Wow. Three, um, three some fingers. of us are just more skilled at pouring a beer than others. I, I guess so. You, <laughs> Man, you pour that thing good. All right. Well, maybe yeah. that will mean that your, your aroma will be a little bit more prominent, too. Yeah, so, possibly. It's sticking around, too, as I move it around. It's not really going anywhere. All so. right. Okay, so yeah. I, I'm just going to lead the way here because I don't want you to think I'm stealing any of your tasting and, and notes. So um, we're going to go to the nose now. And uh, amazingly enough, um, I'm getting some uh, caramel, maybe some, you know, some bready caramel malt uh, aroma along with some... I don't know. I think I'm getting a little bit of the hop aroma, but not a lot. Maybe a little bit of a subdued piney uh, hop note. What do you What do you get in the in the nose? Yeah, when I first smelled it, I got a big pine hit, um, but now that's not as not as strong. I do get a, a little bit of a bready mm-hmm. character coming through as well. Um, but my aroma is actually not not too strong. Um, or I am getting sick and I can't smell much right now. Yeah, and mine's not mine's not either though. So good. So it's not just because I've got the low head uh, old beer that I don't smell, but it is, I, I mean I'm really having to take some good nose hits to get that aroma off there. All right, well let's go ahead and take a sip, move right into the front of this beer and see what we what we can taste. Hmm. Okay. Um, I just like I I uh, I got that hint of that brittiness. I'm also getting a good uh, dose of like dough, bread dough, uh, malt flavor. I need another sip. Go ahead and see what you um, got. While I take another sip. Yeah, my my hops are up front in the flavor. Hmm. Um, I've got pine pine hops um, 
that's pretty much all all that's coming through hop wise for me. Oh wow, as a pine pine character, I'm not actually getting a lot of malt um, character coming through. So that may be the difference in age in our beers. I I think it is. I think the age. I think the hops have worn out in my beer. So five months is definitely too too long to wait to drink this beer. I just took another big big large swig. And I, I do get a little bit of the hop, but it's in the finish. Um, the front is, is like total bready, doughy, uh, malt character. And that's, uh, interesting because I would ex- expect it to be more of the, of the piney, uh, hop flavor because that's what I remember it being before when I've had it. So, so yeah, the, if the beer ages, you're going to definitely have a drastic, you know, difference in, in, Oh man, now I'm burping up this. A drastic difference in the, in the flavor. Okay, um, what about the body, John? Uh, this is this is actually, you know, a, kind of it's a medium-bodied beer. I, in my opinion, at least mine is. I don't know. Maybe yours is a little bit, light, uh, you know, more lighter with the hops. But this one feels like a medium. And if it's if I were to to say it might be a little bit on the medium light side, but I'm going to say more medium. What What about your body? Uh, see, I could I could actually see it tipping the other way. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I could put this as a medium medium full. Um, it, Actu- it, yeah. yeah, it's there's it's not it's not light. Um, yeah, you're right. Like watery um, at all. Uh, so, um, which I don't think I would expect. I don't think the. Uh, protein enzymes or whatever they're using would have an effect on, on the, uh, the mouthfeel of the beer. Uh, cause I think, I don't, I don't know how much the protein actually contributes, um, mm-hmm. up front. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, no, there's nothing from the mouthfeel would, would tell you that this is anything other than a beer. Yeah. So. Yeah. It, and I, and I agree with you. I would say definitely a solid medium and maybe it does lean towards the little bit heavier side, but yeah, it's, it definitely feels like you're drinking a beer. It doesn't feel like you're drinking water. It doesn't feel like you're drinking anything less than what you expect from a beer. I like the fact that, you know, I do have that caramel. I mean, you have the pine, the piney hops, but even if you let the hops die down, I'm not, you know, it's not taking away from the materials in the beer. I'm still, I still got a good beer malty flavor in there. Um, which is nice. It's nice to have that flavor without having the gluten associated with it. So, um, okay, now it's time for us to, to talk about our finish. And again, I think our finishes are going to be, uh, different. Uh, so go ahead and tell your finish first. And then I'm going to take another sip and, and try to put my finish into words. If <laughs> Okay. Um, I would say mine finishes dry, uh, definitely, uh, some bitterness there. Um, no sweetness at all. Um, the the bitterness does linger a little bit, but uh, not not in an unpleasant way at all. So, uh, by the time you're ready to take your next sip, it's dissipated, mm-hmm. um, and it's not like building to levels that you know you don't really want. So, no, it, it's pleasant. Okay. Um. So mine, um, it also finishes dry, although. Because I, and it is, it is bitter, but not as bitter as I was expecting. Um, I can taste the bitterness. You know, I lick my lips. I can taste the bitterness on my lips. 
Um, and it kind of, you know, is there a little bit, but doesn't linger at all. Uh, even I would say mine, because of the fact that my hops are kind of, uh, not all there. It, it even, I mean, it's even gone before I take my next sip. And, uh, I do get, uh, something, um, and I'm trying to put, I want to, I know there's no sorghum in this beer, but I get, uh, a hint of that type of uh of flavor uh at the at the very finish of this one and again maybe because the 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 hops aren't there to kind of take that away so i do get a kind of a weird uh thing in the background of my finish but um even though this to me this beer is not at the proper age for consumption uh it's not horrible you know it's not like some of the gluten free or gluten reduced beers I've had before. It actually is okay. Um, it just means it's nothing, it's not something that I want to go drink every day. Uh, but if I, if I was, if I had to drink gluten free, uh, I think, I think I would be satisfied with this beer. Um, because it's, uh, it's, it's pretty, it's, it's not too bad. I don't know. Our next area is, is whether or not we recommend this for, uh, new people to craft beer. And I think we need to state that uh, this beer wouldn't normally be something a new person would drink unless they were gluten intolerant or or needed to have gluten-free beers. Then it would be something that they would would gravitate to. So I don't think the average beer new new beer drinker would you know come to drink this beer. Now, would I recommend it? Probably not. I think I'd probably recommend an another gluten reduced or, or gluten free beer that is a little bit more uh you know subdued maybe the lager or even the pale might be something that they might do a little bit better but um but yeah i don't know it's kind of a hard question to ask i'm going to say no i don't recommend it for for new people what about you john what do you what do you think uh i'd also say no but more just because it's an ipa and yeah. it would i wouldn't recommend that usually um unless i know them well and think that that it would be something they like. Yeah. But that being said, with your concerns about they wouldn't, you know, go for this beer or originally um, unless they were looking for a gluten-free or reduced alternative, I might put this in the ghost fish camp that I would just recommend it as a beer. Oh yeah, um, yeah. I, yeah. I don't think there's anything about this that that you would, you know, think that it's anything less than that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just a really solid product. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's that's uh, my thoughts on it anyway. Okay. Well, then let's just go into our rating. And uh, um, you know, I'm I feel I feel I feel bad because I got a subpar beer, but I think I don't know. I, I'll be curious to see what your rating is, but mine are going to go average. This is a beer that. Uh, that, like you said, it's a beer, it's, it's a beer category. It's not a, I wouldn't put it in a gluten free category as far as beers that taste like they're gluten free. Uh, it's made with real beer materials, so it tastes like a beer. And, uh, if you want to drink it, drink it. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's a, a good drinker. But I, I'm not going to go up and, and say, yeah, you got to drink this all the time and it's something you got to keep in your fridge. But I think it's an average rating, in my opinion. What about you, John? Is this a, a little bit better beer for you? 
as far as our uh, ratings, you know, our our step up from average is memorable. Tell all your friends to try it. Mm-hmm. I don't think when we get off the show here, I'll start texting people to go, mm-hmm. you know, try this beer out. Um, so I think based on our scale, it'd be a, at an average for me. Um, you know, I, I certainly wouldn't turn it down. Okay. And there there are gluten-free, gluten-reduced beers I've had that I would turn down. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, and I would just have something else, even not not beer, um, because I, I just don't want to drink it. Mm. Uh, but that, that's definitely not the case with this. Um, and, uh, you know, if I had, you know, a little older, like yours, and I was expecting, you know, IPA, uh, that might be different. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if I've got a nice, fresh... Uh, a uh, bottle of it or glass of it, then yeah, I would definitely uh, drink that one. Okay, yeah, my uh, mine being I, what I would say is that with mine being older, it's almost would be l- lowered down into the pale ale category where you do have a little bit more of that malt in there with a little bit of the bitterness. So that that's what happens with age; it kind of lowers it from the IPA expectation down to maybe a pale. Um, that's what you know. This would be a good pale. In my in my opinion, so okay. I I bet if you open your year old version, you wouldn't be saying that. I, I, it would be uh, all malt and not anything any, like a pale ale. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know what? I will drink that one year old one and get back to you guys on the next episode with a report card to say how bad it is a year old. That's a real test of testament to a beer. If it's a year old, how bad you know how bad it is. Okay, so uh, or how good it is. So, um, I what was nice is Widmere does put what their ingredients are uh, on their website. So I was able to find the malts and the hops that were used in this beer. And the malts they use pale malt and they use uh, caramel tin malt, which sounds about right with the coloring. You know, the coloring is very mm-hmm. pale, so I wouldn't expect it to be any any higher level of, of caramel than, than maybe that. So that makes sense. And I do get, you know, I, there is some, some decent malt breadiness flavor in there uh, that, that is enjoyable. I like that. Uh, the hops, though, um, you have Cascade and Summit hops. So, the, the you know, those are, I'm trying to remember, I don't remember what Summit actually the flavor is. is I, I know Cascade has got the, the pininess, right? So, I don't know what Summit uh, provides. Does it provide uh, some something different? I think I think it's actually a citrus um, top. Okay. Cascade actually usually skews a little more citrus than pine. Oh, does um, it? Okay. Yeah, but uh, so I'm curious where I'm getting the the pine, but it's definitely how it's coming across to me. Um, but you know, Cascade can also get get, get a little spicy. Uh, you know, maybe um, that's what I'm picking up, and and it's kind of coming across as pine to me. Okay. that's how I'm associating it. I don't know. No problem. No problem. We're not we're not hop experts, so uh, it's just good to know what was in here. I I didn't get to really enjoy those hops, but uh, you know, it's okay. It's uh, still good. So all right. Well, hey, that is our listener participation tasting notes segment for this episode i hope you guys were able to grab something out of john and mine you know back and forth uh, uh tasting and if you 
it had a beer that was aged similar to mine, then you probably can fa follow what I said. And if you had one that was more fresh, then definitely John's was was the better tasting notes to, to take from. And if you do have it, I mean, John's is the one you should be drinking. You should be drinking it fresh. Any IPA, you should drink uh, as fresh as possible. All right. Well, last thing we got to talk about tonight is a couple articles from the craftbeer.com website, which is from the Brewers Association. And uh, these, uh, we have two articles. And the first one I want we want to discuss is called Predicting 2016 Craft Beer Trends. And this is, I thought this was pretty interesting. It came out the day after John and I recorded. So John and, and my uh, predictions, we we didn't have insight to any of this before we made our predictions. And I was amazed that our predictions are are kind of, you know, some of them are pretty spot on to what some of the, the beer, I don't know, higher level guys are also thinking. What they did is it looks like they, they went and uh, asked a bunch of different organizations on, uh, you know, what you think the trends are. So the first one is uh, is community building. And basically, uh, this comes from the Washington Brewers Guild, which is right there where you're at, John, right? So that's that's nice. Yeah. They, they want to include the community. But, um, you know, hey, we know that uh, that the craft beer industry is only – as good as the people that support it, right? If if you don't make beer and the, and the people that are drinking it aren't don't feel like they're, you know, it's not important. They'll move on to something else. And so they're saying, hey, it's all about the community. Give back. Make you know, do things local. I think that was like a big, you know, the overall thing on this whole list is that hey, you know, stay local. You know, do things in the local area. Get get your people involved. Things will you know will, will be better. So yeah, I don't yeah, get... and I'm sh I'm sure the the local community building is also. I mean, there's there's been a lot of you know drink local all throughout the you know craft beer movement um, for for years. But I think there's a lot more focus going on now with a lot of the acquisitions. Yeah, um, I think it's a it's a natural reaction to. Uh, for for a lot of folks to kind of reemphasize, hey, uh, let's try to keep our money, you know, here supporting the people that live around you and work around you, and so I think that's an, just a natural uh, reaction to to all the yeah the activity going on in the in the beer world. Yeah, yep, I agree. I agree. Uh, the next one was brought to us by the Colorado Brewers Guild. So. In the state of Colorado, they say, "Hey, the session beer." Hey, John, that sounds familiar, right? We both were hitting on session beers. That's right. Yep. It says, uh, "Think session, the one to have when you're having more than one." That should be your motto. If you want to have, if you want to imbibe in more than one, and and be able to keep your wits about you, go session. And that means that the breweries they also have to they got to focus on making good quality beer that has good flavor. But is lower in alcohol, and I I think that's a good thing to focus on. I like I like that. John and I liked it. So John and I were that's that's one check mark for our list that we we had. So we're we're doing good. Um, the president of the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild he says loggers and easy drinkers. Again, I think John and I also mentioned the same thing. Not necessarily loggers in particular, but we did say some easy drinking stuff, some stuff that you know that is not 
over the top. We don't have to have, you know, a thousand IBUs or, you know, these 12% beers on everything you make. We don't have to have all that stuff. Just make some easy drinkers that are good and, and, and get, you know, go ahead and get some of those, you know, that's the easiest way to transition, uh, people from the, the domestic big beer into craft beers. Give them something they can drink and they enjoy. Don't just go crazy all the time. Yeah, and I actually am I'm intrigued by uh, one part of uh, their statement here is uh, smaller barrel-aged and sour beers. And I think we're starting to see some of that smaller sour beer um, activity picking up. Uh, there's been a lot of Gozas r- lately. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Berliner Weiss is starting to yeah. Oh, yeah. be more prevalent. Um, so that, that's an interesting, uh, I don't know, spin off of this whole thing is where they, they go with that stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, I agree. I agree. I, I, I've, I've already mentioned I'm big into Gozas. My favorite, one of my favorite styles is the Berliner Weiss. I love that style. I love seeing all the different things. Although I'm also very, very disappointed when a bad one comes out because I am very critical of my Berliner Weiss <laughs> because I love it so much that I want to have good ones. But you're, you're right, John. Those are, those are all beers that, uh, I think are making a move. And the Goza is definitely making a move. I, I mean, just two years ago, you might be able to find two Gozas that you can get. Now, this year, my gosh, I must have had, uh, I must have had, last year, I must have had at least 10, if not more Gozas, uh, you know, that were new that I hadn't had before. And, and that's great. I, I like that style. I like it's making a comeback. And, it, and I like the fact that it's, it's a low alcohol beer. It's usually four, four and a half percent, and it's got good flavor, and uh, it's tasty. So it's good. Yeah. All right. Uh, where did I leave off at the uh, classic beer styles? The South Carolina Brewers Guild says, "Hey, um, let's uh, go back to the classic brew styles. Let's not, you know, let's not be, uh, you know, doing all this crazy stuff. Let's just do the classics and do them right and." And hey, I'm okay with that too. I like classic beers. Um, uh, yeah, I think that one is actually also plays in more to the smaller beer, session beer type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, because if if you think about a lot of the styles, if, if you've studied them at all, not a lot of them have big alcohol. Um, yeah. And if you consider that today's pale ale is yesterday's IPA, I mean, it's all just gradually climbed up in, yeah. in uh, flavor and alcohol and everything else. So I I, I kind of see this one also sort of falling into that, that camp. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, guess what? The Kentucky Guild of Brewers, imagine this, they want more barrels. <laughs> Yeah, I think they've got a few barrels lying around in Kentucky to oh, yeah. take advantage of. Yeah, they say, hey, we want you to uh, brew your beers and put them in barrels because they got a lot to sell. So, hey, that, I don't know. I am uh, I I need a break from barrels, to be honest with you. Um, I'm en- I will tell you this. I am enjoying, and I mentioned it before, I'm enjoying the whiskey-barreled aged beers and some of the wine uh, aged beers much more than the bourbon barrel uh, beers because I think the flavor just overwhelms a beer and and it just takes away from some of the enjoyment of the actual beer. It just it changes it too much. 
but the I think the whiskey is good. I think some of those those wine, those those more subtle wine and uh, uh, sherry and uh, maybe some brandy barrels, those I think can give you a little bit of a flavor, a little bit of the oak without taking over the whole beer. So I'm okay with with barrels too, as long as it's not all bourbon barrel. Okay, uh, the Minnesota Craft Brewers Guild says, hey, we need some beer style exploration. Well, they're kind of going across, they're going outside of the box, right? Everyone else is kind of, let's get back to classics, let's make it more sessionable. They're saying, hey, let's get more creative. Let's find out different ingredients we can throw in there. Let's, you know, let's go, lo- again, they want to go local, utilize some of the local um, farming and, uh, you know, agricultural stuff in the area to go ahead and, you know, bring in those ingredients. But, um, I'm okay with a certain amount of exploration, but I, you know, I don't mind drinking classic beers too. So we'll see, we'll see how that works. I I think it will be something that will happen in 2016, but I don't know if it's going to be a trend of, you know, everyone's going to be looking for, for, uh, you know, the weirdest beer or the newest beer. Uh, I mean, I look at the that, that powderhouse brewing here in the Boise area. They started with some solid, you know, some solid classic beer styles. And they didn't go out with some crazy stuff that was going to, you know, woo people. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think there's always going to be people pushing the envelope. Um, but, you know, as we go, there's... <clears throat> you know, less and less space to, to go out there because so many different breweries are already trying so many different things. I'm not saying that there's nothing new to be gained, yeah. Um, but it's going to be harder and harder to come up with something that's truly new and unique. Yeah, so. yeah. All right, so last three they mentioned, um, I'm going to look, I'm going to lump them into one. We'll talk about each one individually, but they're pretty much all the same. And again, it's focused on localization. It's Focused on, um, so the first one is localization. Hey, uh, farm to keg is thriving, and and just like what you had, John, for the the one of your uh, noteworthy beers, the Farmers Reserve is you know it's stuff that you can get locally. Uh, you know whether it's grains, whether it's uh, hops, or whether it's uh, stuff to put in your beer, whether it's fruit or or nuts or coffee or whatever is hey. Utilize your local area and and bring them into your beer. And this is from the the Brewers Association of Maryland. Um, the next one is from Minnesota Craft Brewers. They say, "Hey, uh, beer festivals in a box." Uh, okay, so one of the trends, and this is a trend that that I don't necessarily like, is that there's a lot of national or not local festivals. These festivals that come into your area that they tour around the nation. And they bring in, and it's, it's nice to bring in these big, these you know, all these beers into one area. But for one thing, it's it's you know, it's usually way too expensive, and uh, you know the pros, you know, it's harder for the local guys to get in. They're bringing in other stuff from outside, and I don't know. It's it's I I like to see, I like to go to beer festivals that are sponsored by my local breweries. You know, I. The ones I went to, Tin Barrel. I went to the Boise Brewing. I went to the Payette. You know, those are the three festivals I went to last year right here in my town that I really enjoyed, sponsored by the those breweries themselves. They're not 
outside companies coming in and trying to 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 make a buck off of the off of the the beer festival scene. And uh, so yeah, so uh, and then the last one says support local festivals. So again, it just says hey, maybe bypass these national ones and and support local. What do you think, John? Um, yeah, you know, I don't think. At least I, I haven't noticed any of these national things coming through to the Seattle area. Um, but it may be that we just have enough going on that there's not really room for mm-hmm. it. Because um, we have a lot of local events and breweries putting on stuff all the time. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess I wasn't really aware of this being a thing. You know, other than the only one I can think of is actually done by a brewery. It's the Sierra Nevada Beer Camp. Um, which is actually coming to Seattle this year. So um, that that's the only, I, like I, I have no frame of reference for, you know, a touring beer festival, I guess. Cause I've, I just so, haven't seen it. Okay. I'll give a couple examples. Tour de Fat from New Belgium, the beer camp from Sierra Nevada, which is, which, you know, the, the, those are, are still craft breweries and not, but those are still brought, sponsored by craft breweries, but they're normally, those breweries, you know, don't, reside in the area but they travel across Lagunillas also has one that goes across the nation i don't remember what it's called it, it stops at different places with their tour bus and uh deschutes has a, a smaller one that goes through um the big one is the and i can't remember the exact name it's like uh beer festival of america or something like that it's it's uh it's come to our area twice in one year it went to the Boise area, which is where I live, and then it went to the Nampa area, which is just 14 miles away from me. So we had two visits from the same nationally uh, organized beer thing in one year, which is kind of crazy. Then there's the um, there's another big one, Barley Brown's traveling beer thing. So there's a bunch of these ones that aren't necessarily associated with a they're not with a local brewery. They're with a, either a, a a brewery that's you know, state, you know, like like New Belgium or whatever that's outside of the area, traveling around trying to spread the word, or it's totally not associated with a brewery at all. It's just a company that is is uh, traveling around. I guess the the ones that are done by the bigger breweries, I I wouldn't really put into that camp, or I wouldn't have considered those bad on on my own. Um, I guess I I guess I would you know, put maybe some of the things that are just by some third party that's, you know, yeah. to cash in or something like that. But, um, you know, I mean, uh, like the Sierra Nevada beer camp pulls in, you know, breweries from all over and, and the places that they go, they, they have local breweries that are involved. Yeah. So, um, I don't know, I guess, I guess I didn't consider those as part of the, the issue. Yeah, I, I think I think most of these people are are saying, hey, um, a lot of these smaller breweries in your local area are having events. Go check those out and have fun and support local. Let the money come back into your community um, instead of you know going into someone else's community. You know, and I, I don't know. I agree. I I I have a much better time when I'm in an event that's sponsored by the local breweries than I than I do with the big ones because the big ones are just you know, they hire in people to, to run everything, and it just seems like it's not as personable. Um, I definitely have a, a way better time when it's more focused on the, the local population. 
That's my that's my that's my choice. Okay, hey, I don't want to drag. Long. I don't want to get this thing to get too long, John. So let's move on to the next article uh, because I I could talk about you know beer trends forever, I guess. But hey, this is for uh, this is another article from thecraftbeer.com. It's uh, three biggest mistakes when introducing someone to craft beer, and I think this is a very valuable uh, article because uh, I can see where where these mistakes could be made. And um, this isn't just, you know, came out of someone's head. They actually went around and asked a bunch of different breweries uh, what their, you know, what, what their, what, how they see uh, mistakes being made in, in getting people into craft beer. And uh, the first one they say is uh, over-geeking it. Uh, hey, don't go crazy with, uh, you know, when you bring someone uh, to a craft brewery or introduce them to craft beer. Hey, don't go geeky. Don't say, "Oh, this," you know. Go, you know, go into your whole uh, beer review thing where you're where you're talking about the nose, the aroma, all this stuff. Just let them. Just bring them in and let them try a damn beer. You know, let them see if it tastes good. Let them let them get into it. Don't overwhelm them with all the beer speak and all the bouquet and the different types of hops and the different fermentation don't if they ask you can tell them about it but don't overwhelm them with it just let them taste the beer and let them get a, a good sense of what this is all about this is one i've been guilty of from time to time i just get excited you know uh, yeah yeah <laughs> uh, I, i'm the same I, way i'm the same way yeah I, I have to remind myself sometimes to take a step back um and you know put myself in their shoes and yeah. especially when it comes to vocabulary. Cause you know, a lot of people won't, won't know what you're talking about. So. Yeah. So, so, which is a good point. Um, it can get geeky. You know, whenever I bring someone new into craft beer, I don't, I try to keep it really mellow. I try to, to give them something that would be a good transition into it, that they're not going to be overwhelmed with. And, um, I let them try it. Then, once they try something and they start asking questions, that's where it can get geeky. But I let them open the door, and then I try to stay as less geeky as possible because I don't want them to get to you know, just get overwhelmed and run away. But you're right, John. It's hard because when you have a passion for something, you want to talk about it, and you just want to explain it so they understand it. And it, that could actually turn, you know, that could turn them the other way. All right, number two. Um, hey. Don't start off with your favorite IPA. Don't bring that new person to craft beer your favorite IPA because guess what? Um, most likely it's going to turn them off to craft beer because it's going to be too overwhelming for them. And I think, John, we've we've mentioned that from the very beginning. That's been one of our mottos is, uh, you know. Yeah, and I think, I mean, there's – been marketing about it. I mean the bitter beer face and the IPAs are going to bring that in in spades. So yeah, um, you know it, it's something that that's just can be, it will come across very aggressive for anybody that's not used to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the last one they mention is uh, is forgetting to share the powerful story of craft beer. Now this one's a little bit, I think, a little bit uh, over dramatic. With, with what they're stating. But in reality, they're saying, hey, um, you bring them in, you try the beer, and then, you know, they, you know, maybe they'll say, wow, it tastes pretty good. And then you can go ahead and say, yeah, you know, you can, you can tell a story of the brewery that you're at or, you know, 
of how they got started, what they're trying to do, you know, get their mission, how they're trying to fight against Big Beer. But again, don't geek out too much. You don't want to go over the top. But um, if you express the thing that, hey, it's a struggle for these guys to make it and they're just trying to make good beer for everyone, um, that might help promote the fact that uh, it's better to drink craft beer, local craft beer, than it is to drink the big beer that is coming from St. Louis or Colorado or wherever, uh, or Milwaukee, wherever their beer is being made at this time. So, Yeah, I can honestly say I don't think I've ever done this. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I feel this one is more uh, geared towards the bartender at your local yeah, brewery you know, for that new person that comes in. Um, you know, I... I feel like if you're just sitting down with your your friend or or family member and you want him to try it, it's it's more going to be a hey, this is something I like, yeah, and I'd like you to try it too. I think you would like it, yeah, type of conversation rather than let me give you a, a history lesson along with this beer that um, is outside your comfort zone, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. Um, but you know, I think from that perspective, it's definitely something that that I've seen done, um, at, at breweries, but, uh, yeah, personally, I've never really done that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, Hey, that is our, uh, articles for this episode. We kept it short. Um, maybe I rambled on a little bit, but Hey, I think we're doing pretty good on time. But with that being said, John, it's at the end of the show. It's our time that we are able to raise our glass to our friends. And uh, is there anyone you'd like to raise your glass to today? Yeah. So earlier in the in the show, you mentioned that I had, was drinking something, you know, right after recording uh, yesterday. Well, yesterday, uh, Denny and I were guests on the Forty Cast, uh, which is Denny's original uh, podcast home, and where I actually. <laughs> was was on a podcast for the first time um <laughs> and you know we, we had a good time uh and so uh, definitely go ch- check those guys out uh warning it it does get adult uh fast <laughs> and deep yeah <laughs> and, yeah very deep yeah um but it, it was fun and uh we enjoyed it so uh thanks to those guys for for having us on and, and go check them out yeah for sure for sure yeah i uh I also want to to raise my glass to the Forty Cast. All the guys, uh, uh, good time, good laughs. Uh, it lets us, uh, you know, let our hair down a little bit and uh, not stick to our strict uh, regimen of of beer, you know, uh, knowledge. And yeah, it did get a little bit, uh, you know, fun and uh, very grown up. So if you like grown up stuff, go check it out. See see John and I in a different uh, light for sure. It's a good show. Um, I also I have one more toast I want to do. It's to our buddy Chris McKenzie. He just picked up his family and moved from Ohio to Florida to start a new life down in the in the Florida area. I don't know exactly which town, but um, I actually I do know which town. I just want to say it <laughs> because I don't want to give away we you know what anything, but. Um, but yeah, I just want to raise my glass to hey, starting off, uh, you know, get a job and uh, drink that beer, and I will be sending a care package, a a, a welcome, you know, a new housewarming gift to you here. Hopefully, well, if I'm not traveling in the next couple of weeks, it'll be soon. If I am traveling, then it might be a couple of weeks away. But uh, yeah, 
Good luck, guys. Yeah, and winter is not a bad time to leave Ohio and go to Florida. So. Yeah, for sure, <laughs> for sure. All right, I also need to raise my glass to all the great people over at Open Forum Radio Network. Um, they host our show. They provide our hosting space. Um, and you know what? Uh, there's a lot of great podcasts that we have on the Open Forum Radio. So go visit openforumradio.com and check out all the great shows we have to offer. Also, I need to lift my glass to all the military men and women out there uh, protecting our freedom, serving. Uh, I, I, hey, uh, words can't explain the gratitude I have for you guys. Uh, just come home safely to your families. If you enjoy what John and I do, help us spread the good word of craft beer to others out there in the iTunes community by writing an iTunes review. Uh, it only takes a few minutes. Uh, and that will help us get our podcast recognized uh, to more people. And if you would like to contact the show, you can reach us through email at tapthecraft at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter at tapthecraft, or leave us comments on the show post on openforumradio.com, or Google Plus, just search for Tap the Craft. And we do have a Facebook page. I didn't plug it very much today, but... If you want to go and be a part of the show, not just listen to it, but actually interact with the show, you can visit us at facebook.com slash tap to craft. You can comment on the show post. You can add to our wall. You can like us, whatever you want to do. Uh, join in, in the conversation. It, it continues after the show ends. And you can follow me personally on Twitter, Instagram, and untapped at loose screw and on Google plus at Denny loose. And John, if our great, Listeners want to follow all of your homebrew and beer drinking shenanigans. How can they do that? Uh, Twitter at Prime Brewing, Untapped Prime WA, and I write about homebrewing on my blog at homebrewengineer.com. And there's some new stuff on there, so go check it out. Yeah, con conical fermenter love. So, <laughs> <nice>. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I can't wait to visit and see it in action. I, I, I got to make a trip. Definitely. All right. Okay. Well, it is last call. It's time to bring the show to a close. We want to thank you for downloading and listening to the show, and we hope you were able to find so much interesting stuff that we talked about. And we welcome you to subscribe to this show on iTunes or Stitcher Radio or TuneIn Radio or however you listen to podcasts. Just hit that subscribe button and listen away. And as a reminder, we do release a show every two weeks. Now we ask you to go out there and spread the good word of craft beer. Cheers. All right, I haven't opened mine yet, so I can we can open it on air. I haven't opened mine either. I'll have to take it out from between my legs. <laughs> wow. Are you are you hot down there? <laughs> <laughs> I'm warming up the beer a little bit. Okay. I got a warm glass, so that will warm it up pretty quick. So, yeah, I'm looking on my bottle. I picked the one that is the least old in August 3, 2015. <laughs> and I didn't realize, I didn't even think about the fact that the turnaround is probably not very good. And 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 the the major grocery stores will probably have a better luck at keeping 
the fresh stuff there. But I, I found, yeah, they sometimes these bottle shops, they just, you know, you can get some old beer. That sucks. Mine is November 9th, so I'm good. Wow, you're really good. So we're, we are going to have a little bit of different taste, maybe, so... Maybe. Okay. I don't know what it's like normally, so. <laughs> All right. I guess well, I'm about to find out. Okay. Okay, I'm going to rinse my mouth one more time here. All right. Hmm. I no longer have it between my legs. Uh. Yeah, so I, I had that pause after you uh, threw it to me to do my stuff. Because he said shenanigans, and almost immediately, it, like, as a reaction, I was like, I'll pistol whip the next guy that says shenanigans. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I managed to stop myself. <laughs> but then I had to collect myself a second because I almost just started laughing. So That's okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> you, can, you can laugh because I can just cut it out or I could add it as a whatever. But Yeah, I was, I was worried I was going to just derail completely. So I was trying to rein it in. <laughs> All right, you did good. You kept it under control. Hey, it's Shaver from Open Forum Radio here. want to go ahead and take a second to say thank you for checking out this episode of Tap the Craft. And I would like to encourage each of you to check out some of the other shows that we have here on the Open Forum Radio Podcast Network. Uh, we'll start it off with the original Open Forum Radio, The 40 Cast, Prove Your Point, Geeks for the Win, I Recommend, My Peanut Gallery, The Married Gamers, Some Other Castle, Gamer Husbands Radio, The OMG Hour, Gamers Unscripted, Just Press Start, Platform Junkies, and Jobbers on the Mic. Hey, be cool. Give a great review to all the shows you like on iTunes, Podbay, Stitcher, everywhere you can give reviews. Review every show five times, and you are officially a good listener. Also, go ahead and visit openforumradio.com, links to all the different shows. Uh, like the Open Forum Radio Facebook page, and... Uh, Take a second, if you like playing games online and with people and are cool, to uh, go ahead and look at Zabari's Gamer Information Spreadsheet. Fully useful information that will do nothing but enhance your online gaming experience. All right, folks, take it easy. Have a good day.